0: Come to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app, watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube, and follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, Mike Rutherford, host of the Mike Rutherford Show, will join us to talk college hoops with a couple of marquee matchups on the card, and Brad Powers will join us to talk college football bets. And if Bama really is making a legitimate playoff push, that will happen in the 11 o'clock Eastern hour. But first, let us react to Monday Night Football. And Joe, that game was stupid. Broncos pull off the upset in Buffalo, 24 to 22. Broncos three to one on the money line. Uh, this game goes under the 47 and a half. So what stupidity do you want to talk about first, Joe? Is it the Bills turning the ball over four times, including on the first play from scrimmage? Is it the Teron Johnson pass interference call on the game-winning drive? Is it the 12 men on the field for that 41-yard attempt by the Broncos? What should we start with here?
1: Yeah, any one thing is probably oversimplifying the entire situation with the Buffalo Bills. Like, it's just swooping in and saying, okay, this is the problem. Fix it, Josh Allen. Stop throwing interceptions. Josh Allen not throwing interceptions is not going to fix all the problems over there. Like there are a lot of issues. Um we talked in the offseason about like, hey, what if things go bad for the Bills? There is a path to that. Maybe McDermott should be fired. Maybe first coach fired 100 to 1. I don't think that's going to happen. Um he obviously wasn't the first coach. I'm talking about the next coach, but like was that not clear last night with all of these issues? How many of them point back to McDermott? Bill's fans were laughed at in the offseason because they wanted Ken Dorsey the hell out of town. Well, he might get fired today, and maybe he should get fired today. But the problem is for them, it's now a short week since they just had Monday Night Football. There's a lot going on. 12 men on the field, that's coaching. How?
2: how,
1: How does that happen? The amount of mistakes we've seen across the league with stupid stuff like this out of timeouts has blown my mind. Absolutely insane. James Cook, dude, your offense is broken. You can't move the ball with an all-world quarterback through the air. The only way you're moving the ball is on the ground with James Cook, and you're going to sit him for that long because of the fumble? Like, okay, all right. He's running the defense. We're going to go cover zero blitz back-to-back plays. It worked. You got him out of field goal range, and you're going to do it again when Russell Wilson was kind of doing a throwback last night as a bit of a magician again and again? And and then what happens? He just throws it up there, and your guy didn't make it clear that he was turning turning back early enough? You made it too easy for the referees. I mean, all the talking heads are going to talk about the Josh Allen interceptions. It's deeper than that. There are a lot of problems with Buffalo and Aaron when you look at it this might be a 10-loss team this year.
2: Mm, I agree. Just pulled up the Bills' schedule. Wins from here to the end of the regular season, guys, are going to be very hard to come by. Okay, so I was on James Cook over 55.5. I had it. I went 5-0 and for the first time all season. But I have to point out, I was so angry that over the fumble and the decision to sit James Cook, I ended up watching yeah. NBA. I was so mad that <laughs> I had turned on NBA wow. only to watch Julius Randle miss out on the double-double by one rebound. He decided to let Jason Tatum shoot at will. And so then I went back to NFL. It was, oh, it was a rough night. But in the end, it, uh, it was good. The one thing since you guys mentioned all the bill stuff that, you know, I agree with, maybe I'll look at the other side and I woke up this morning thinking like maybe it was just going to take some time with the Broncos. Like maybe it's just that simple that Sean Payton finally got his guys to buy in. They're using Russ more. He's using his legs more. Maybe that's, you know, how he should be as a quarterback at this point, but not throwing 40 times, 40 attempts per game, but it seems like things are slowly coming together for them, doesn't it?
0: I mean, a little bit. I I still wouldn't consider them. I mean, it's funny that, like, yesterday I mentioned that the Raiders are 500 and we're still saying they stink. The Broncos have a worse record and I don't think they, they stink. played as well.
1: They still They, I, stink. I, <laughs> I,
0: <laughs> they stink too. Both of them? Both of them? You all stink. Everybody stinks. 4.2 yards per play. I, you no, know, I, I'm not defending the Broncos. I No, no, yeah. no. That is that is not one I'm going to, you know, put my uh, hand on the table for. No, no, no. The, the Broncos do stink. That's fine. Uh, but here's the thing, though. When we talk about the deeper problem, first off, by the way, Aaron, uh, in terms of you switching games, your profanity on the group text nearly melted my face <laughs> off. When Cook uh, got benched there, so uh thankfully I'm able I to put so it back mad. together. So I, <laughs> oh, I needed mad. one prop
2: to go five and zero, and that happened. I was like, I'm done with this right. Whole game right from the beginning. Like so, you're
1: angry. So when Josh yeah. Allen going to get benched for his turnovers? That's what I'm wondering. Oh, you
0: know, we can bench James
2: Cook. It makes no let's, sense.
1: let's start benching Josh can Allen. Can we now.
2: bench McDermott? How about we do that? <laughs> yeah.
0: A lot of drops, (laughs) a lot of drops. The the backup Allen, they have more than one Allen. It's fine. It's fine there. Uh, Okay. Joe, you're mentioning the, the deeper more intrinsic problems for the bills that you are absolutely right about. Coaching is certainly a big deal. The defensive injuries are a big deal. And now we're learning that the wide receiver position for the bills has become a big deal. It's not just that they are thin at tight end when they were trying to run a bunch of 12 personnel. That's certainly Hmm. a problem where they're going to have to adjust a good bit. Yeah, that's an issue. But the bigger issue to me is, look, one of those interceptions was when Josh Allen was targeting Gabe Davis. He was wide freaking open and just couldn't handle the football. I wouldn't say that's Josh Allen's fault. That's Gabe Davis's fault. And guess Mm -hmm. what? It's been Gabe Davis's fault for quite some time. Josh Allen was one of seven on intermediate passes last night, including two interceptions. You know, Bill's receivers have been wide open at the fifth highest rate of football, yet they are not scoring a ton of points. So to me, schematically the bills are okay. They're not in a terrible place. The problem is the drops have been devastating. They are not winning chunk plays. Uh, too frequently it's something about this particular position where outside of Stefan Diggs Josh Allen just can't trust anybody anymore and while he's still throwing to the wide open guy either drops or something fluky is happening to where they're not punching it into the end zone at some point this is coming back to haunt them and yeah Josh Allen had a bad game yesterday I think that's safe to say Mm -hmm. but it wasn't just his fault it was a lot of other folks fault And Josh Allen has had some great games and still lost this season. So you have this all-world quarterback, and the Bills are still finding ways to lose. And I do think the targets should get a lot of the blame for this.
1: If Josh Allen was available to other teams, there would be 20 on the phone in a minute in a let's remember that there would yeah maybe more maybe some teams would look take a look at their qb1 and saying hey maybe we should move on if this guy's truly available so this guy's going to get torn to shreds today and that is unfair the majority of the issues that i look back if i have to pick one place it does point back to mcdermott he's the guy that decided to to keep ken dorsey and if you paid attention to his presser last night, he's very frustrated with the offense. So if they make a move there, it would not surprise me. Maybe changing play calling duties, whatever. But like but like a lot of the stuff that's gone on this year, like they spent all offseason. Oh, we're gearing towards 12 personnel. We're geared towards 12 personnel. Then I'm not saying that they should have stuck with it, but I'm just saying that They gear towards that, and then they bring in Kincaid. That's their big move that's going to fix the offense. And then Knox goes down, and they're like, oh, we got to abandon it completely. So because of one injury, like you should expect that to happen. You didn't plan for that in in any way. Uh, Again, 12 men on the field, that's on McDermott. How about what we brought up on Friday on the show, taking a look at this game? A backup running back is calling a players-only meeting. There are issues inside the building if a backup <laughs> running back is calling a players-only meeting. Something else I would I would point to McDermott. Another thing, game management. Why is he calling a timeout with 24 seconds left when Denver has nothing and they're scrambling, trying to figure out and get, getting things together? And then the, when they were forced to rush out onto the field, the kicker missed the field goal to the right. And then, you know, the, the 12 men on the field, and okay. He got a chance. Take a deep breath. He's out there. You know how he missed. He's going to make that adjustment. Game was over. But most of these issues, I would say, point to McDermott. Like, Diggs having a bad game. Listen, they have an all-world corner on the other side. Okay? So that's going to happen from time to time. But they can't all have a bad game, Gabe Davis. And then they, they went away from Kincaid. Like, that was working. It was working five Hmm. receptions. He's just on the cusp of going over the receptions prop and the receiving prop. And I'm just mad at that because the prop, like it was working. James cook was working. And then McDermott pulls him from the game. And I know cook had another fumble and he got lucky there. It bounced right back up to him on a big run. But I mean, I don't know. We're going to start benching guys that are actually moving the football when that has been an issue for for what, what is supposed to be an elite offense all season long.
2: I agree. I mean, these are adults as well. Like, he made a mistake early in the game, and he was one of their most productive offensive players. So that annoyed me. The undisciplined with the penalties also was a sign at McDermott. The red zone yeah. issues. And then, like, all offseason, there was issues between Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. It's almost like something's mm-hmm. been brewing off the football field with this team, it's just not working. Chemistry-wise, whatever's going on in that building, it's they've got great talent. Uh, we even had guests say this might be one of the most complete teams in football before the season started, predicting them to be in the Super Bowl. And they just can't put it together on the field.
0: Yeah. Well, look at what happened to them at the end of last season. Like, I'd say these problems uh aren't recent phenomenons. Like, this is something that has gone on for a little I mean, the Bills' playoff performance last year was fairly underwhelming. What was it? The Dolphins were down to their seventh string quarterback and nearly pulled off the playoff upset. And then the Bengals went into their place. Their place when it was super duper cold, they're supposed to have all the advantages, came in and won that ball game. Like these things have lasted for quite some time now. This isn't just a recent thing. So that's another reason why there's some real causes for concern that some sort of significant change has to occur, whatever it is. Uh, It's got to happen soon because the bills right now are minus two fifty not to make the playoffs. They are two to one to make the playoffs. You look at the strengths of the AFC North. You like all of them. Some are certainly better than others. Uh, We talked about the Texans before, and we will certainly talk about this uh, later in the program when we're discussing team futures, but there are too many other AFC teams that you can make better arguments for that they are going to make the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Bills Mm -hmm. have the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Cowboys in three of their next four contests. Where is the optimism supposed to come from for the Bills?
1: So if the offense isn't working, here come the Jets. Who's to say they're going to win that game? Like everything's on the table now. Last night you lost to Denver. And I as you could tell, my points on the game, I think all this entire story of last night is about is about Buffalo. It's not about Denver. It is more about the Bills issues. They've lost to Denver, they've lost to New England, and they got a pass in that Jets game when Aaron Rodgers goes down. That they also lost. I know it was kind of fluky the way it ended on special teams, all that stuff. But the facts are they're five and five. And you just listed off what's next, and they could lose any game. It could easily be a 10 loss team. And you know, people just crush Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs was had had issues with the direction of the team. Stephon Diggs is being proven correct. That's the whole thing with Diggs. Like, oh, he's a problem and all this stuff. Diva receiver. No, 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 no. He had issues with the direction of the team and he was dead on. And you know, a lot of people, including me, I thought, oh, come on. It's being overblown. We have an elite quarterback. We have all this talent. They've won in the past. Another spin of the wheel. They're going to break through. The, the injury started happening. It's been a downward spiral. Downward spiral. We try not to overreact to any one event, one of 17. But last night was everything to me. They can just escape with that win. We're looking positive. I think it's all negative. I don't know what we're going to see the rest of the way.
0: This is betql daily presented by betmgm coming up next we take a look at the updated nfl team futures markets that's right here on the betql network welcome back to betql daily presented by betmgm eddie gross joe strowski and aaron hawksworth here with you and it's time to talk nfl team futures and we will begin with who will win the nfc south currently on betmgm the saints are favored at minus one hundred and ten followed by the Falcons at plus 220 and the Buccaneers at three to one. If you want to get a little cray cray, Joe,
1: no, don't. I got, what, what is this? Okay. Power rank, the the coaches and the quarterbacks, like it's all trash. How do, how do we do this? Does anybody want to spend a dollar backing Arthur Smith? How about Dennis Allen? Anybody Todd Bowles? They win a game. Now everybody's all in against the rookie quarter. Like, I don't, I don't know.
0: Does anybody have an angle here? <laughs>
2: Uh, I, I mean, really a have Buccaneers no ears. Argument to be personally. made.
0: Okay. I mean, there's ahead. a Buccaneers argument to be made. Yeah. I no. In all seriousness, like Bucks are just half a game back. Falcons are mm-hmm. are really a full game back in terms of division standing. Saints still have two games left against Atlanta. One against the Bucks. The Saints have lost to Tampa Bay already. And so if Tampa Bay wins that second contest, then they do have the tiebreaker. Uh, Saints are a borderline top 10 against outside zone runs. I think they have the advantage against the Falcons. So I would probably throw Atlanta out of this uh, at plus 220. I think there's still remnants sure. of priors that we need to throw away there. So mm-hmm. the Falcons, no way, no how. I don't know if Arthur Smith, you know, is going to be the coach next year, uh, given the way they're playing and all the weird things that are going on there. But in terms of the Buccaneers, when it comes to Baker Mayfield, No, he's not a great quarterback or even a good quarterback, but there are things there that make me think that he and Derek Carr could vie for positioning when it comes to being the best quarterback in the division. And I know that's not saying a whole lot, but what have we said about Tampa Bay all season long? They're top heavy. If they are healthy, they still have a a decent amount of talent. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now. They are within striking distance to win this division. And at three to one, I think there's value.
1: Okay. Yeah. Like that process, I can't argue with because Mm -hmm. if we were to say, you know, if you're a breakdown percentages or say it's fairly close for all three teams, and then there's three to one on one of them, I understand that. And my guess is the reason that the value is on the bucks at the moment is because San Francisco's sitting there coming up Mm -hmm. this weekend so if you think they're live to take down san francisco then you would make that bet right now but if as expected they go out there and they lose that number is going to be even better and a lot of the strength of schedule stuff that is out there new orleans with the easiest atlanta with the second easiest future schedule according to dvoa well tampa bay is going to be there because Outside of San Francisco, Indy, Carolina, Atlanta, Green Bay, Jacksonville, New Orleans, Carolina. That's the Tampa schedule. So then I'm sure that they're going to be near the top as far as easiest schedules. Tampa Bay would be on. So what do you get more value on? Waiting for a San Francisco loss this weekend or striking now while people don't realize that their schedule is probably just as easy as the other team's.
2: I'm not sure it'll move a whole lot. I'm not sure it's something nope. you have to bet right now. But, yeah, I would wait. I, I, maybe it won't move a ton. I don't know if you'll get a lot more value once the Niners mm-hmm. destroy them. On Sunday, which it is fairly anticipated. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it, so,
0: anticipated. Yeah, Joe.
1: So what's the, what's the concern with Tampa Bay? The concern is... They're passing defense. We know they're stout against the run. So if we look mm-hmm. at the quarterbacks they're going to face, of course, you know, it's never easy going against Shanahan's offense in general, you know, your, your Brock Purdy opinion aside, uh, but you look at it, which quarterbacks scare you for Tampa Bay moving forward. I, I just rattled off the team that they're going to be facing and maybe Jacksonville's the toughest. Okay. Trevor Lawrence didn't have a good weekend. We're talking about love uh, mm-hmm. car. If he's healthy, Bryce young twice, uh Heineke slash Ritter Minshew I think it's a good angle you know Mm -hmm. at at first I was thinking doesn't make yeah like okay yeah whatever I don't know it's hard to come up with an opinion uh but that's an interesting angle
0: their passing defense will not be exposed They, they shouldn't be right right When it comes to the Buccaneers, though, I think the other thing that we should probably bring up is this idea of the NFC wildcard picture. Let's start with a basic premise and make sure we're all on the same page here. After the division winners with three wildcard spots, one will go to either Seattle or San Francisco. Another will go to either the Cowboys or the Eagles. And then there's that last spot that seems a good bit more wide open. Is that the basic premise we can all agree upon? And if that's the case, then what do we do with that seventh spot? Hmm.
1: Is it going to, is it going to change? Like how locked is it's a question of how much do you believe in Minnesota? Right. Kind of looking at it that the next few games, very winnable. They have a tough stretch in the final month of the season. How long does this winning streak go? It's now at five games. Is there going to be some other sort of a change? So, okay, yeah, your South winner, that could change. Tampa out for the moment, they could be in. But you, you look at everybody else that's in this race, they all have six losses. Washington, Atlanta, Green Bay, LA Rams. Which one do you trust? Is, is, is there a quarterback that you trust more than the others? Not really, not really. <laughs> Matthew Stafford's obviously the best, but who knows how long that's going to last.
2: Yeah, the two things that stick out to me is the Vikings and commanders with their quarterbacks and just seeming to have some momentum, uh, just like a fresh start kind of feeling, um, especially with Washington. It's starting to feel like this offense is coming together and great things are now happening for the Vikings. So I think those two, I would trust the most out of the rest of the pack.
0: Here's the problem, though. Minnesota is minus 200 to make the playoffs. Any value you thought you could buy into for the Vikings, it is gone. You aren't getting it back in all likelihood, uh, given that the Vikings uh, still have several easy games remaining. So to me, the question is, could anybody else from the outside come in and mess with the Vikings' chances? And one of the things that I've noticed is a bit of a misprice. Maybe some folks might say, okay, what about the Green Bay Packers? LaFleur certainly was able to do it with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe that connection with Jordan Love will flip a switch and then suddenly they're going to be good. And at four to one, maybe there's some value there. Well, guess what? With roughly the same record, the Washington Commanders are 10 to one to make the playoffs. So to me, if you are going to bet into this market at all, it almost feels like it's the Commanders or nothing in part because of reputation it looks like Washington, they're selling off assets and they're looking ahead to next season. Ownership group, who's going to be the coach next year, all that stuff. But I think I would slow the roll a little bit because 10-1 to versus 4-1, to I don't think that that discrepancy is fair. I think that's a misprice.
1: Sure. And I get it. Um, look, if you're asking me straight up, are the commanders going to make the playoffs, the answer would be no. But Price always enters the conversation with betting. So there are a number of scheduled losses. That's the problem for the Commanders. Now, the Commanders are a team that is live. Like We just saw them go across the country, a team that was desperate to just face two of the best defenses, and they hung with Seattle the entire time. Mm -hmm. Two times against Dallas, one time against Miami one time against San Francisco, the Miami and San Francisco won. And obviously one of the Dallas games is at home. That's the advantage. I'm not saying that they have the biggest home field advantage in the NFL, but they're not going <laughs> on the road. So that's, it's that's better. a, it's a bit of a bump. That That's why you get the 10 to one price though. But yeah, um, I, I would say, oh, four and six, they need to let's, let's call it eight wins at the very least, even though it's very soft mm-hmm. there. Uh, are they going to go four and three, four and three? Five and two, I think no chance, and that's probably why it's priced in that manner. That you, pr- the thinking is, you need to get to that nine and eight marker. Eight and nine mm-hmm. is possible in sneaking into the NFC playoffs. So, because the price is ten to one, I totally get it.
2: Yeah, I love it. I think there, there is value on a team that with Eric Bieniemy. It, it seems to me that this offense is finally finding some type of identity. So. Mm -hmm. it's strictly a value play don't love it but at 10 to 1 why not a little sprinkle
0: sure Howell's not taking the sacks he used to that's the biggest thing to me he's able to sustain drives you know just even throw the ball away a little bit more so he's not losing valuable yards all of a sudden this commander's offense isn't terrible anymore and it's not taking a whole lot to be in contention in the nfc if, say, Sam Howell is serviceable enough. So lowering the sack rate, I think that matters a great deal here in terms of this conversation. And the Commanders are a better team now than what we've evaluated so far. So that's another reason why I think 10 to 1 offers some value here. Let's talk about the number one seed and who will capture that in the NFC. Is it fair to say that it's down to just three teams? The Eagles, the 49ers, and the Lions. And it's really nobody else after that.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Which one could enter the conversation and then jump all of these teams? Can Seattle Seattle or Dallas do it? I mean, that's what you're asking. Um, Mm -hmm. So if we're going to entertain these three lost teams, (laughs) we're talking about them running the table and then three losses for the Eagles. I don't see it. I don't see it. Do do either of you guys?
2: No, I'm just looking at that Vikings number. Like, what is going on with that?
1: Which <laughs> uh,
2: are uh, people just uh, for number one seed in the NFC? I guess what? people the books are just hoping someone will bet them. That's ridiculous to me at 101.
0: Uh, oh, good grief. No, 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 no. That I mean, what is that? Like you're going to have to have like the Cardinals come in and beat really good teams for Right. Like why to beat them even out? post
2: that? The the particular <laughs> book I'm looking at, it's like the Seahawks 26 to 1. No other team and just randomly has the Vikings in there at 100 to 1. Like, okay. <laughs> I
0: have
2: hey, you know to guess that they're hoping money on all the excitement.
0: Right. Exactly. Like uh, business is business, I suppose, and that's fine, but it, it is pretty much a three horse. I mean, there's an outside chance the Cowboys could do it. I mean, what is it? Sumer sports has them at 5% to get the buy. Like if you mm-hmm. can get a good number on them, then maybe that's, that's worth uh, a bet there, but it really is a three team race. And when you look at the schedules, that's also a big deal. I mean, keep in mind, the 49ers and Eagles still have to play each other. The Eagles get the Cowboys again. They are dogs against the Chiefs for Monday night. 49ers and Lions, they're still in this. Those two teams, I think, are offering a little bit more value. And the Lions have it way easier than the other two. But they're also not mm-hmm. favorites on all of the lookaheads like the Saints on the road. So to me, this is a fairly even race. I, I don't know if any one team is standing out, except perhaps the Eagles just because they have a better record. But there are arguments to be made that, that they could have a couple of stumbles going forward.
1: Okay, so I'm holding an alliance ticket from when when we were looking at this early in the season and we saw the upcoming schedule and how soft it was for them, uh ten to one. Plus three sixty. Isn't is there a value on the lines of plus three sixty? I would boy. argue that uh, there I think so. There is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is a three sided coin to me almost.
1: Yes. Almost agree. Fairly close uh, to it. If we're going to talk about the three lost teams, just the price gap that we see out there, I find it really interesting. I know the eye test tells us that Seattle should not be part of that. But if we're looking at those three lost teams, you've got San Francisco, best number I see is five to one, Dallas, 11 to one, Seattle, 50 to one. Oh. That is the- tempting, even though I know they're not going to be the one seed,
0: they have a negative point differential. I know. I know. Like, I mean, like, we don't look at them the same way as we do the Cowboys, much less anybody else. We shouldn't. And we shouldn't. Right. Uh, right. And we shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Like it's fun to point out, but yeah, seriously, like that matters a great deal. How about we move on to the AFC North? What are we supposed to do with this division? Yeah. The Ravens lost to the Browns, but I think it's safe to say we all believe that they're still the best team in the division, but is there value elsewhere? This matters a great deal because the Ravens and the Bengals play each other on Thursday night. And like I mentioned before yesterday, if the Bengals lose that game. They are finished for winning the division and they could be in mm-hmm. big trouble as far as even making the playoffs. There's a lot here.
1: All right. The long shot is Pittsburgh. Should Pittsburgh be the long shot? I know they've been outgained in every game. It's the horseshoe. We, we, we got it, but it's been the horseshoe for a long time. They're the only team that's 2 and 0 in the division. So, early on, they do have a number of tiebreakers. They are 6 to 1, 6 and 3 record, so same number of losses as Baltimore. How this is, boy, the the there's more on this that we need to get to, mm-hmm. but how the conversation mm-hmm. flipped in one loss with the Bengals. How everything seemed to change because it was arrow way up, value value value. And then and then Sunday happened and that really changed everything. And
2: the Certainly Steelers' did. odds got much shorter from we talk about this every week. There was way more mm-hmm. value on them a while ago.
0: We will definitely continue this conversation in the next hour. In the meantime, this is Beck UL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we go off the board. Actually, it's just the Jay Sant segment. Who am I kidding? That's right <laughs> here on the Beck L Network. <laughs>
2: mirror on the wall who is the sharpest (laughs) baseball better of them all ah it is Jake Hassan look at that welcome back to VQL Daily presented by Venom GM Joe Ostrowski Eddie Gross Aaron Hawksworth with you you heard it if you've been listening and watching jake is on it when it comes to his baseball bets i mean people get mad if we don't get to him at lightning bets and as they should be he's giving out plus money bangers congratulations jake come on we need you to do your victory lap here
3: it's just uh it's just really nice first of all first thing i i don't know what i i'm never cutting my sh- hair this short ever again i'm an idiot <laughs> I'm a fool. What was you're I getting thinking? back you're getting yeah. back you're,
1: you're on the way back yeah
3: we're it's yeah we're on the mend it's fine but no feels great happy to be here you know i do it for the people and it's gonna be really nice for 24 hours until everyone's in my replies with blake snell gifts can't wait really gonna be fun
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> Good call, man. Is honestly though, is I know as one of your boys, you were a fan of Henderson. Is there a lesson to be learned? Is this an awards market when you see large numbers with a short field of guys in contention that that we sh- it gets ignored? It does compared yeah. to MVP and Cy Young, the Rookie of the Year stuff. Um, maybe it's because it's a little more challenging. You've got to look up okay w- which guys are qualifying this year and all that stuff. Um, but it feels like it's not bet on even close to as much as some of the other MLB stuff.
3: I think it just leans more towards like this market can just get really weird. Like look at the flip side in the NL. Corbin Carroll was the wire to wire winner. He opened like plus yeah. 175 to start the season. And he just ran away with it. He just won. And on the flip mm-hmm. side in the AL, Gunnar Henderson was the favorite. He was priced similarly to Corbin Carroll. Didn't start well. Masataki Yoshida got out to a huge lead and was vulnerable all year because he just wasn't accumulating war. This is a war-based stat. If you lead your league in war, you're gonna win the award. And that's what Henderson did. He was the favorite. He fell off. He started playing a lot better. And in that clip, uh, also, I talk about Josh young in that clip too. He was 20 to one at the time after he had been on tear and then he fell off a little bit. It's just, if you pay attention and in rookie of the year, AL you can find opportunities like this because it's just if you're paying attention to the war and you're paying attention to how guys are accumulating war then you can find a way to make a position there and that's what i did with henderson it was awesome like you said i was a fan of him before i was big on the orioles coming into the season already so i was paying attention probably more than other people but henderson what the talent was always there he was always lined like a guy for the favorite for the first month And then he wasn't, and it was just something to watch because the talent was always there. And he had played the previous season, too, and it lit it up. So the precedent was there for him to play well. It was just a matter of when, not if.
1: Paying attention is the key there. And I know it sounds dumb, but paying attention. So in this case, you're suggesting that the initial price mattered. He was priced in that mm. manner for a reason. And then also paying attention when we talk about rookie of the year, I think back to 2019, it's just something I just stuck here for like, maybe I should pay more attention to this award. Jordan Alvarez was not listed. And then he was listed a week into the season at 200 to one, like paying attention. If you're paying attention, you know, Jordan Alvarez and that price get- kept getting shorter and shorter throughout the year. Like, sometimes it's a guy out of nowhere. And sometimes it's the original favorite and just knowing when to swoop in and grab that price like you did. Good job.
3: Thanks. Yeah. I also think
2: Jake is locked, locked into these prospects all year round. Like he pays way (laughs) more attention to this than most. So (laughs) even just blind, but I mean, you were, you called it with the diamondbacks, even though ultimately they didn't win at all, but like you were really high on them. Like, so yeah. It's, it's been. All right, so and, what, and give us some thing, winners next what, year. Well, what you got? Oh, we, oh, we got a important. list already.
3: We've already started accumulating the list for next year. We're we're real excited. Wow.
0: wow. I I'm curious. though, so, when we're talking about process here, because it, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like when we're talking about rookies, like in terms of like writing, I've done things like that. People are far more, you know, in they want to know about rookies a lot more because everyone else has an opinion under the sun about MVP. But like in terms of prospect Mm -hmm. reports, I think the process you made is a really good one that look at these, you know, 70 scores, look at Gunnar Henderson's where raw power is 65 out of 70 speed, 60 out of 55, all of those things. It's like, don't throw away that information. Like your priors still matter just a couple of months into the season. Right?
3: Yeah. I mean, that was what it was for me. Henderson, especially like, he had come up at the end of the previous season, had lit it up, was awesome for a month. Then you went into the off season and he was lined as the favorite because of that. And because he was going to be on what a team that people were going to pay attention to in the Orioles. And yeah, I mean, that mattered. It was always there. It was and for me with Henderson, it was, he wasn't playing like he had when he first came up the previous season. Like he was just taking a ton of walks, wasn't being aggressive at the plate. And then once I saw him starting to swing more. It just seemed imminent because we knew that he had the talent and the power and the raw numbers to put on a show like he did for the back half of the season.
2: Uh, Moro 914 said, don't forget about the Tigers, though. And I said, don't We're worry. back
3: in we 2024.
2: We Jason, Jason Benetti. Benetti's
3: <laughs> taking him over the hump. We're back. Yes.
0: Yeah, right? Yes. Jason Benetti's the rookie yeah. <laughs> of the year. Huh?
1: <laughs> he knows. He well, watched this- them in the division. That's why I went there. He knows.
2: This, this is off the board. We do have to get to your weekend shenanigans in the Big Apple. How did it go? Tell us some highlights of the trip. The girl you went to go pressing? see.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was good. It was really, really good. I was It wasn't actually in the city. I was in Brooklyn. Um, but, no, it was great. It was really fun. Um, you know, the Starter City got some points this weekend. Uh, well, maybe not as bad. Uh, as I previously thought, but Brooklyn is, like, way more chill. <laughs> like, Bro- Brooklyn, like, I, way cleaner, way quieter. Like, when I had been in their past, like, I was in Manhattan. I was, like, in the middle of the city, and it was just like way too much. Just way too much going on. Trash on the streets. Like, get get alleys. What are we doing here? But so Brooklyn, way, no trash on the street? Way less. Like, not in yeah, What part of Brooklyn were you in? Like, that matters but, here. Uh, we were in uh, what's it called? Um, wow, now I'm blinking. Hold on, um, Williamsburg, Williamsburg. Thank you, Williamsburg. Paul. Somebody was paying attention. Okay.
1: how does Um,
3: because yeah. <laughs> I put it I on know New York, York East Coast. See, oh, okay. you know what? That was in the back of my mind then, because I I do know Williamsburg is in Brooklyn, but that's about all I got. Jersey oh, wow. City, I, I guess that's I put not my story. But uh, no, it, not not none, but way less, and just like way. As opposed to like in manhattan like in the middle of everything way cleaner way more like tolerable um so yeah it was cool it was really good very happy i went and re- a lot of fun it was oh
2: great. okay very happy <laughs> i'm gonna need you to uh, elaborate on that one
3: no it was good uh the girl i visited is going to be visiting me in a couple of weeks now Woo! and uh already yeah. planned when was that, was that planned? Oh. over the
2: weekend or... Uh, it was. Like, out?
3: It was
2: a <laughs> <no>. home and home series.
3: I work in radio, Aaron. I'm not flying anybody out. I can barely fly myself <laughs> there. Um, but no, it was. Uh, it was talked about. It was discussed. It, it was. It, it was pre-planned. But like, was put in stone over the weekend for the most
1: part. Oh yeah, I'm sure it was put in stone. Uh, will you be taking the Monday off? <laughs>
3: what? Well. I will be taking no. the Monday of December 5th off <laughs> when she flies in because I'm coming back from a, a, another trip, and I get in at, like, 1 a.m.
2: Mm.
3: So unrelated.
2: Okay, the Liquid sure. Swords wants to know how you met a chick in Brooklyn if you live in Chicago. They missed this part. Really? <laughs> yeah, we Liquid could do this
3: swords? first. We could do this you You're first literally first. on Twitch. Like- <laughs> yeah. uh, no, like, six, seven years ago, there was a group of people that, like, we all became friends through Twitter, uh then like when COVID happened you had nowhere to go like you could only talk to people through the internet so a bunch of us got like decently close uh i met this girl through that group um (laughs) uh, ironically the ex before the ex that you guys all like to talk about uh this is the girl that she was worried about when we were dating And uh, two years later, here we are. She was was uh, women's
2: instincts. Oh
3: my gosh. Listen. So, when I first started the show, you had a girlfriend, so it was
2: her. Yeah, I remember you had a girlfriend when I first started the show. Okay, got it. Yeah. I, I like
3: does, to think right? I waited a respectful you, amount of time, like the statute of limitations. Oh, so it was
1: always in like percolating, like this is the plan at some point. Like you felt like you had to wait, or we're gonna just move in no, on no.
3: this. No, I mean <laughs> okay. like the girl I visited idea. this weekend. <laughs> the girl I visited this weekend. We've been friends for a really long time, <laughs> and we've been friends for years, and even we were friends before even I was dating that girl. But then how the girl that I went to see this weekend, she used to live in Chicago when she was here, oh. she was dating somebody. And then I was dating somebody never really worked Timing out. Then off. she moved back yeah. to New York. We started talking more over the summer, like just kind of like reconnected, I guess. And here we are. And I have so, no idea what's oh. going to happen, but whatever. That's Jake's
1: way of saying it was meant to be. Did you see my man, Corey Parson this weekend, Brooklyn? no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like, maybe, in the
3: neighborhood. I <laughs> did, uh, to I did, I did hard get the friend. I did get the friend stamp of approval before I left, though. I was told. So what do you mean?
1: Oh, before we came a, back
3: I'm, home, I okay. met, I met a couple of her friends, and one of her friends texted her the next day. Oh, Jake's really nice. Friend approved. Blah blah blah. So that was a good feeling.
2: I love
0: very, it. Very nice. We're all so excited for you that we. Ripped pants. Nope. This tonight. is Becky L Daily, presenting <laughs> the next. One of our favorite college hoop guests, Mike Rutherford, joins us with his favorite plays for a couple of marquee games tonight, and maybe some of his favorite college basketball futures. That's right here on the BeckUL network.